Today on Ag News Daily. That's under the Teratro umbrella. That includes things like SP1 Classic, products like Residues Complete, Residue Breakdown. Happy Valentine's Day, listeners. This is Tanner and Delaney on the Ag News Daily Podcast, bringing you the latest headlines from around the world. Right, Delaney? That's right. I'm so glad you remembered it was Valentine's Day. And how nice of you to spend it at the National Farm Machinery Show away from your wife. Probably much to her wishes. Uh, I don't think she'd have it any other way. Well, maybe you could buy her a nice piece of red machinery. Uh, I don't think so, Tim. <laughs> I, uh, I did want to point out that I wished our listeners a happy Valentine's Day and not you. I didn't say me. <laughs> well, I know, not you, but I just wanted to point that out, that uh, you kind of let that slide by, and I'm surprised you didn't give me heck for not wishing you a happy Valentine's Day. Why would you? At this point, I've just come to, <laughs> come to expect it. You know, it's been a while since we've had snow on Valentine's Day. I remember being down here at National Farm Machinery Show last year and uh, Iowa went through a heat wave melting a lot of the snow, but we've got some chances. It looks like the Northern Plains, a large area of the Northern Plains, all have chances. Blizzard warnings for North Dakota, South Dakota, Western Minnesota today. There are chances for that snow system to drop down into Kansas and across the Midwest tomorrow. There are three to six inches of snow forecasted with gusts of wind up to 60 miles per hour. Most of that area will see between four to six inches and wind gusts of 45 miles per hour. So we'll see how much snow actually falls. But uh, when you have this type of heavy snow coming after a little bit of a warm event, Delaney, the National Weather Service is stating that this may damage property and cause power outages just due to the weight and frequency in which the snow may be falling and blowing. I had never seen that before in, in a National Weather Service alert. So it'll be interesting and looks like it might be a heavy snow. Well, Tanner, can I go back to Valentine's Day here for just a second? Because I forgot I have a fun fact that I forgot to share. Ooh, I probably just didn't give you a chance. So go right ahead. Well, a majority of the roses that are bought for Valentine's Day are not coming from the United States. I don't think that's a big surprise to us. But there's three countries that primarily are importing, we're importing roses from. Tanner, do you want to guess what those three countries are? I don't know why, like Holland or uh -huh. something like that pops into my mind. So I will go uh, with Holland as a guest, the Netherlands as a guest, and... I'm out of guesses. Well, you got one out of three. So good job. The Netherlands is one of the largest uh, rose importers for the U.S., as well as Ecuador and Kenya. Those two threw me off a little bit. Oh, yeah. There's no way I would have gotten that. No, I think Ecuador, maybe I would have guessed. But Kenya, that one really kind of threw me through a loop. <laughs> I would agree. Well, Delaney, fighter jets were not making loops in the sky over... Uh, Oh, no, this was not Germany. This was over Poland. Two Dutch F-35 air fighters were intercepted or did an interception of three Russian military aircraft near Poland and escorted them out of Polish airspace. The Netherlands Defense Ministry stated that this happened Monday in the evening hours. The unknown aircraft approached Polish NATO area and according to Reuters, 
or Reuters, as you pronounce. The translation came from the ministry statement here that there was no harm done at this time, but it is to be noted that they were within unwelcomed airspace. So a quick little headline there without much detail right away this morning. Well, we also have a quick headline here that China has released their yearly ag policy blueprint for 2023. Now, this is kind of a document that shares what their goals look like for agriculture for the year, Tanner. And in this annual rural policy blueprint, known as the number one document, China's state council reiterated a recently stated goal to boost grain production capacity by about 50 million metric tons from current production of more than 650 million metric tons. They also reiterated their focus on improving domestic capacity for things like soy, corn, ethanol production, and that they wanted to continue to reduce their reliance on external countries, Tanner, specifically the United States, I'm sure was uh, where they were thinking that through. But they also said that they will fully implement a campaign to reduce soy meal rations in their feeds specifically as a way to reduce their reliance on soybean imports. As related to trade, they also acknowledged the role that it played for the country and said that they will, quote, implement the diversification strategy of agricultural product imports thoroughly, whatever that means to them. But uh, all in all, it sounds like they have made it pretty clear that they're looking to increase domestic production. Whether or not that is plausible is a good question. Yeah, I had seen that article as well. I'm glad that you're able to share that with the listeners today. But for days, authorities have been telling residents in the area around East Palestine, Ohio, that it is safe to return home after the 150 car train derailment carrying hazardous chemicals that derailed on February 3rd. The Ohio Department of Natural Resources said the chemical spill resulting from the derailment had killed an estimated of 3,500 small fish across seven and a half miles of streams, according to the report late uh, last week. There is now been additional reports coming out stating that 10 miles away from the accident site, there are livestock and hens, which I guess would also be considered livestock, dying. It looks like uh, a couple of reports have come in of backyard chickens with uh, hens and roosters. There are additional fish floating within water that is not connected via a creek nearby the site. Uh, wedding photographer stated that uh, she's reporting difficulty breathing, uh, but now there is additional concern within that area, Delaney, of livestock being at risk. There are no official statements coming from the EPA. There was a controlled burn of vinyl chloride, a flammable gas to prevent explosion, explosion as the rail operators were cleaning up this mess. And now there is some lingering concern around residents within that area that there could be lasting consequences. Now, of course, while this gas was being burned, Delaney, the area around there was evacuated as far as people go but there may be other issues continuing. The EPA classifies vinyl chloride as a carcinogen and routine exposure could increase one's risk of liver damage or liver cancer. Short-term exposure to high concentrations can cause drowsiness, loss of coordination, disorientation, nausea, headache, 
or a burning and tingling sensation. So it'll be interesting to see if any more news comes out of this story as time progresses. Well, I also have a update here on a rail related piece of news, and that is related to the ongoing rail strike that we've been reporting on for quite some time now. We saw the announcement by CSX Transportation that approximately 5,000 of their engineering from two unions would receive paid sick leave. However, we got some recent fire, added some fire to the or fuel to the fire here as Senator Bernie Sanders and Senator Mike Braun held a press conference demanding all railroad workers be provided with at least seven paid sick days. Tanner, at a February 9th press conference, Sanders and Braun were joined by representatives from Smart TD, the Brotherhood of Locomotive Engineers and Trainmen, the Brotherhood of Railroad Signalmen, the Brotherhood of Maintenance of Way Employees, the AFL-CIO Transportation Trade Department, and the National Association of Chemical Distributors. Sanders was quoted saying that uh, these rail industry folks are making a lot of money and seven sick days is not going to break the bank for them. He said that the math adds up to uh, the cost for the entire locomotive industry would be just $321 million, less than 1.2% of their profits in a single year. So he said the rail industry can afford to spend over $20 billion on stock buybacks and hand out huge dividends to their wealthy shareholders, then they can also provide at least seven paid sick days to their workers. So these two senators sent a letter to the CEOs of the six class one railroads, which were largely those involved in uh, the ongoing rail strikes, Tanner, reminding them that the nearly 120,000 railroad workers employed by them are vital to the well-being of the country and demanded that they be given seven sick days. Uh, As far as a response from the rail companies, Tanner, I don't believe we have anything yet from them or how they would go about putting that in place. It's not, I mean, it's Congress, so there's nothing legal about their request, but I suppose they could cause trouble for the rail companies if their request is not met. Sure. They probably draw a lot of a lot of attention, at least when that letter arrives. Last piece of headline news that I have is the USDA announcing that there is now eight hundred and fifty million dollars available in conservation programs for 2023. USDA Secretary Tom Vilsack made this announcement yesterday. The Inflation Reduction Act is now providing an additional nineteen point five billion dollars over the next five years to climate smart ag projects through the NRCS. The NRCS is making 850 million of that available for 2023. This will be through programs such as Environmental Quality Incentives Program or EQIP, Conservation Stewardship Program, CSP, the Agriculture Conservation Easement Program, ASEP, and the Regional Conservation Partnership Program, which is RCPP. This act is providing a opportunity for a once in a generation investment in conservation, according to Vilsack, as he spoke to the National Association of Conservation Districts at their annual meeting yesterday. We know that ag plays a critical role in the nation's effort to address climate change. We are using this funding to bolster our existing programs and maximize the benefits, fostering other environmental benefits across the landscape. The environment or the IRA funding includes 8.45 billion for equip 
4.95 billion for RCPP, 3.25 for CSP, and 1.4 for ASEP to increase those funding limits starting immediately. And that's good news for farmers here in 2023. NRCS accepts their applications all year round, but if producers are interested in EQIP or CSP, they should go to their state and look for application due dates to be considered for this funding cycle. But that's what I've got for today, Delaney. Well, I think the only other thing I have for today, Tanner, is markets. So what do you say? Let's do it. All right. Well, yesterday we certainly had some positive momentum in the grain markets and in the overnights here today, we were not able to sustain some of those moves across the board. However, corn was able to keep pushing higher in the March old crop contract here up two and a quarter cent in the overnight to open at 687 December new crop corn unchanged overnight at 596. Nove soybeans added at just a quarter cent to open at 13.85. March hard red winter wheat added a penny and a half and will open at 9.13 and three quarters. As we trend over here into the livestock markets, Tanner, we saw green across the screen. April live cattle will open at $1.6510. March feeders at a buck 87.20. And April lean hawks will open this morning at 86.35. Without further ado, Tanner, let's take it over to a conversation with BPH Bio. Listeners, this is going to be a fun interview for us today because I always love exploring the new technologies of the ag industry. So we've got two members from the DPH Biologicals team, starting off with Nick, President and CEO, and Cliff, the VP of Agronomy. Mick, why don't you start off by letting our listeners know a little bit about who you are and what your role is? Hi, Tanner. Well, first of all, thanks for having us. Uh, my name is Mick Messman. I'm the President and CEO of DPH Biologicals. I've been in this role now going on two years. Um, but I've been in the agriculture industry since uh, the mid-90s, grew up on a farm in Nebraska, spent 13 years with Syngenta and about half of that time in their seed care business, um, spent nine years with DuPont Pioneer, again with a focus on seed applied technologies, and then about four years ago, uh, started working with smaller uh, biological-based companies. So Tanner, we're thrilled to be here and look forward to the conversation. Awesome. Thank you for joining us. And as every good leader is in place, needs an expert, Cliff, I assume as VP of agronomy, you're Mick's agronomist expert. Uh, correct. And uh, Mick and I have had the good fortune of working together over the years. And uh, yeah, I've been uh, had a hand in developing out many of the common seed treatments uh, that we use today in American agriculture uh, for the last 30 years. So I'm glad to be here. It's exciting to bring new and innovative technology to the market. So Mick, let's start right out here and remind our listeners, you know, we hit a little bit on DPH biologicals uh, in the middle of 2022. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what the company is and what you're all about? Yeah. So DPH biologicals is a company that focuses on developing uh, and commercializing biological technologies for farmers. We really focus on agronomic value and building a portfolio of technology that works consistently. Um, that includes products like SP1 Classic, uh, Residuce Complete, and then today uh, we're very excited to announce the expansion of our seed treatment portfolio with Bellatrobe Companion Max ST. Nice, and that's really 
like you said, kind of the excitement of this interview, Cliff. So what is Companion Max ST? Bellatrove Companion Max ST. Well, it's a it's a unique um, biological fungicide that does several things. It's a it's a bacillus, a very resilient spore that controls many of the common diseases we see. It's got a very uh, wide spectrum of diseases on its label. It also also stimulates plant growth, so you get the benefit of enhanced disease control. Um, it stimulates plant growth. Uh, it really it uh, it initiates a. Uh, um, modes of action in the plant that uh, stimulate the growth of roots and and the plant itself. And uh, it's also OMRI certified, so it's organically certified. So it can flex into organic production or your standard agronomic production uh, on broader acres. So why do you think, Cliff, there's been such a push lately from a lot of our listeners to explore you know, a lot more options on the seed treatment side. It never used to be this way. So why is there more research going into this practice? Yeah, I think it, there's a lot more innovation in this space because there's a lot of unique ways now to get seed treatments right on the seed. And when you can deliver these products right to the seed, it's right where it needs to be to get the best agronomic value. So what we're seeing now is the expansion of a lot of hopper box or on planter type treatments where we can deliver the uh, dose of these particular products directly to the seed and get it in the best position to give the greatest agronomic value. And Mick, as you're leading your team through this highly competitive industry, especially one that's emerging with a lot of new technologies, how are you able to focus them on looking forward and discovering the next item that will bring value to our listeners? Well, Tanner, we've put together a great team and our team has experience not only with the large multinationals, but also with other startups. And the core you know, focus for us is what's the value for the farmer? Um, there's a lot of technology out there uh, looking for a problem to solve. We really look for problems and then look at our technology in terms of how can we help the farmer solve those problems. In this case, with Bellatrove Companion Max ST, as Cliff said, it's a very versatile biological technology um, that does have an EPA registration. So the grower can have confidence in the disease uh, control uh, claims. In addition, um, it has application flexibility. So as the market is changing and growers want more flexibility, they're going towards treating the seed um, on their planter, in their planter, if you will. And this product provides that flexibility and really answers the demand from farmers on how they want to farm. So Cliff, is that what you and your team on the agronomy side are focusing on as you develop these products? Is it flexibility or, or what really drives you to, to make something new and different? Yeah, I think flexibility, the ability to deliver real agronomic value and in terms of disease protection in this case, or, or, or really yield potential, and, um, you know, um, to really work with the uh, the high tech inputs that we see in modern agriculture, how do we best marry up these biological treatments to enhance, enhance agronomic value? You know, so items like resistance management and uh, broadening disease control, giving growers more options is, is really what we're focused on. And I can't get over the... Uh couple of these words that I think combine every letter of the alphabet 
in the press release here. It says here that this uses DPH Biologicals proprietary ENV503 strain, which so far I understand, of Bacillus amylocu. What is that word, Cliff? Yeah, it's a unique uh, proprietary bacteria. So it's a natural, um, organically approved bacteria. And it's very unique in that the spore is very resilient. And this bacteria, once it's sprayed or put on the seed, it'll grow with the plant root and forms a film on the roots that serves as a disease barrier. So unlike chemicals, which when, you know, and commonly in agriculture, people put chemicals on the seed, they start to deteriorate over time. Uh, biologicals are unique in that. They, uh, they establish on the plant and grow so they can give you the season long protection and, and greatly enhance control of these diseases. So Mick, it sounds like uh, this Bellatrove Companion Max ST is definitely something that our listeners should look at for this year's growing season. But as president and CEO, what, what are you most excited about looking forward to in the future for DPH Biologicals? Tanner, uh, you know, we're excited about our portfolio. We're also really excited about the team. And so DPH Biologicals, we have um, a portfolio of biofertilizer uh, products or products that really work in the soil and provide that biological activity. That's under the Teratrove umbrella. That includes things like SP1 Classic, products like Residues Complete for residue breakdown. The Bellatrove product line are products that are EPA registered that do provide, um, in this case, disease protection with Companion Max ST. So DPH Bio and 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 uh, we're excited about not only the portfolio we have, but the rapid adoption of that current portfolio. Residues Complete, as an example, um, is growing rapidly as growers look to improve plantability and improve residue breakdown and in addition to treating their seeds. So we're excited about the portfolio. We're also excited about how that portfolio is going to grow uh, because we are investing in continued innovation and development and have several technologies that will be in the field for the final year of testing here this summer for a 2024 launch. That does sound exciting. And I know that we've probably piqued the interest of quite a few of our listeners so, Mick, what is the best way for them to explore more about what DPH Biologicals has going on? Well, Tanner, they can always come to dphbio.com and get a sense of our technologies, and they can contact us through the website. In addition, we have an 800 number, 1-800-648-7626. We also, at DPH Bio, have invested in uh, territory managers throughout the growing areas so we can arrange for on-farm uh, visits with our experts in the field. Awesome. Well, Cliff and Mick, this has been a pleasure. We appreciate you taking the time to share with the Agnes Daily listeners what you guys have going on at DPH Biological. Thank you, Tanner. Take the opportunity. Delaney, another great Tech Tuesday interview to share with our listeners. Hopefully I can grab some good conversations while I'm down here at National Farm Machinery Show and maybe sneak some of those in towards the end of the week or first part of next week. We would certainly love to hear that and your take about how the show's going this week, Tanner. I will keep everybody apprised, but for today, what do you say? Should we let the listeners go? Let's let them go. Let's let them go.